This is AgriPulse Daybreak from Monday, July 30th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Purdue takes anti-geographic indications message to G20. Mystery of the EU soybean agreement deepens. EU gene editing decision and RFS waivers. Purdue takes an anti-geographic indications message to the G20. U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Purdue had a message for his fellow G20 Ag leaders on Friday. Do not agree to European Union demands for geographic indications to restrict the use of some cheese and other food names. Purdue, backed up by Jamie Castaneda, Senior Vice President for Trade Policy of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, explained to a gathering in Buenos Aires the importance of rejecting EU calls to protect product names like Rofort, Asiago, and Gorgonzola. Purdue, in a tweet, asked South American officials to celebrate the common named food producers and consumers have enjoyed for decades. We need to stand together against abuse of geographic indications. The message is particularly timely because Argentina, together with its Mercosur trade partners, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay, are negotiating a free trade agreement with the EU as the 28-country trade bloc tries to spread its demands on geographic indications. Obviously, we are watching closely the negotiations between the EU and many countries, including the partners of Mercosur, Castaneda said in his speech, It is easy to bend to the EU's pressures, but I can tell you that we and many other countries have demonstrated that you can stand up to these European pressures. You can and you must push back on the EU. Mystery of EU soybean agreement deepens. The Trump administration continues to publicly insist that the European Union has made concession to buy more U.S. soybeans. But European and U.S. officials agree privately that what was promised is not much more than trade business that's already happening because of market forces already in play. We had a specific conversation about soybeans, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said on Fox News Sunday about the negotiations that led up to President Donald Trump announcing on Wednesday last week that the European Union is going to start almost immediately to buy a lot of soybeans. They're a tremendous market. Buy a lot of soybeans from our farmers in the Midwest, primarily. One EU official close to the talks explained to AgriPulse that European Commissioner Jean-Paul Juncker agreed to the demand on soybeans because it's happening anyway. Brazilian soybeans have become too expensive because China is snapping up as much of the South American crop as it can to avoid paying a new Chinese 25% tariff on U.S. soybeans. The Chinese tariff is a retaliation to U.S. tariffs on $34 billion worth of Chinese goods to punish the country for appropriation of the U.S. intellectual property. It was selected because it was something that was feasible and we already foresee an increase in imports, European officials said. It reflects reality. We will reduce imports from Brazil, so it should be uh, relatively easy. A U.S. trade official confirmed that the Trump administration knows that there are no European government state trading enterprises that can buy up soybeans on demand counter to market forces. On Thursday, Trump took credit for Europe's soybean imports. I said to the Europeans, 
would you go out to the farms in Iowa and all of the different places of the Midwest, Trump said during his trip to Iowa. Would you buy a lot of soybeans now? Because that whole soybean thing is going to be opened up. No tariffs, no nothing. Free trade. U.S. and European officials confirm for AgriPulse that there are no tariffs on U.S. soybeans and there have not been in more than 50 years. The EU imports about 13 million metric tons of soybeans annually, and traditionally about 30% of those purchases come from the U.S. An EU official said that internal predictions suggest the increase this year to as much as 50% or about a 2 million ton increase. The official said, we are already buying a lot, but we are going to buy more. But what about the ag policies that divide the U.S. and EU? Another mystery still unfolding since Trump met with Juncker on Wednesday and issued a joint statement on halting trade hostilities is whether wide-ranging U.S. and EU differences over agriculture policy will be addressed in upcoming negotiations. Agriculture policies like the EU's restrictive approval policies for GMO approvals ban on the use of ractopamine in livestock and many others were not addressed at all in the statement. But Trump announced a breakthrough on Thursday during a trip to Iowa. We just opened up Europe for you farmers, he said. You're not going to be too angry with Trump, I can tell you. But Chris Wallace on Fox News quoted a European Commission spokeswoman saying Friday, agriculture is out of the scope of the discussions. We are not negotiating about agriculture products. That is directly in opposition to the statement Thursday by U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, who told lawmakers at a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee, quote, Our view is that we are negotiating about agriculture, period. That's part of the process. Purdue upset over EU gene editing decision. Europe's highest court ruled last week that gene editing should fall under the same restrictive policies that govern the use of genetically modified organisms. And USDA Secretary Sonny Purdue is not happy about it. Government policies should encourage scientific innovation without creating unnecessary barriers or unjustifiably stigmatizing new technologies, Purdue said in a statement. Unfortunately, this week's ECJ ruling is a setback in this regard in that it narrowly considers new genome editing methods to be within the scope of the European Union's regressive and outdated regulations governing genetically modified organisms. The European Seed Association, which includes global seed companies like Bayer, BASF, and Syngenta, also expressed disappointment. It is now likely that much of the potential of these innovative methods will be lost for Europe, with significant negative economic and environmental consequences. That strikes a serious blow to European agriculture and plant science, says Garlic von Essen, ESA Secretary General. Pro-oil senators come out against gallon reallocation. A group of 21 senators say the EPA should not consider reallocating gallons already waived under the renewable fuel standard. In a letter to acting administrator Andrew Wheeler, 21 senators, 20 Republicans and West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin said retroactively reallocating waived gallons would be, quote, inconsistent with sound energy policy. Simply put, a retroactive reallocation violates the principles of due process and administrative law and is clearly not authorized under the Clean Air Act, the senators say. 
Further, retroactive reallocation injects radical uncertainty into the market for compliance credits, hurting the U.S. refining base, its workers, and the communities they serve. RFS waivers were a hot topic during Scott Pruitt's tenure as EPA Administrator, and the agency was reportedly considering including reallocation language in the 2019 Renewable Volume Obligations released in June, but the provision was nixed. Biofuel groups and supporters on Capitol Hill contend the EPA can and should reallocate those gallons, saying anything less would be a failure to uphold the annual RVOs. Last week, Wheeler told reporters EPA was, quote, looking at both the letter of the law and the spirit of the law concerning potential reallocation. Well, that's Daybreak for this Monday, July 30th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and by the United Soybean Board. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Alley.